Hey, dragon, dragon, not lizard. I don't do that tongue thing. W Radio. You're in. Hello, my friend, and welcome to the WW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World information station. I am your host, Lou Mangello, and this is show number 496, and I'm here once again not only to help you have the best possible vacation experience when you go to the Disney parks, but I also want to help bring you a little bit of Disney magic wherever you are with the podcast, videos, our blog, live broadcasts on Facebook every Wednesday night, my books, audio tours, special events, and more. You can find everything over at www.radio.com. So back in September, we embarked on a unique group Adventures by Disney to China, the country, not the pavilion, trip with stops in Hong Kong, Beijing, and Shanghai. What made this one special and different than other Adventures by Disney is that we modified the trip to also include stops in the Disney parks as well. So this week... I invite some fellow adventurers, friends, and members of the WW Radio Nation to join me as we recap this epic experience. In part one of our review, we'll discuss Hong Kong, Beijing, the Temple of Heaven, Forbidden City, and the Great Wall of China. And of course, we'll also take a very close look at Hong Kong Disneyland, including our favorite attractions and experiences on this Adventures by Disney. Of course, we're also going to talk about the food, some unexpected surprises, and maybe even sneak peeks as to what may be coming to the domestic parks. I'll then have the answer to our last Walt Disney World trivia question of the week and pose a new challenge for your chance to win a Disney prize package. Then stay tuned to the end of the show as I'll have more information, updates, and announcements about events and meets of the month and some other things that I'm working on. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WDW Radio Show. Two years ago, when I was traveling to go speak in the Philippines, I found myself with a nine-hour layover in Hong Kong on the trip home. And thanks to some great advice from a friend, uh, I took a cab from the airport to Hong Kong Disneyland and experienced and enjoyed my first trip to an overseas park. And I did a full review of it back on show 40, 440 with the person that gave me the advice, Frank Hart, who travels there quite often. And... I thought it was going to maybe be a once-in-a-lifetime trip. But then again, as soon as I left, I knew that I wanted to go back. And when Shanghai opened last June, I knew that I had to go. And the seed was planted, and next thing you know, it was added to my ever-growing list of ideas for places that I wanted to go on a group trip that I eventually share with Becky Mankin from Mouse Fan Travel. Uh, and one day, fast forward to a live show on a Wednesday night, you tuned in to find me and Ms. Mankin in Epcot Center. And I said that we had an announcement of where our next trip was going to be, and we kept you guessing <laughs> until we walked the promenade and stopped at the China Pavilion. And it was there that we announced our Adventures by Disney to China with stops in Hong Kong, Beijing, and Shanghai. But this one was going to be different, and this one was going to be special, as unlike a regular ABD to China, 
we added in the Disney parks as well. And that's something that normally doesn't happen on a regular ABD. Thank you, Mouse Fan Travel. Anyway, we opened up ticket sales the next day. And in 81, give or take minutes, we were sold out. And eventually, our trip began on September 16th, 2017, and lasted nearly two weeks. And this week, I want to share with you just a little bit about our incredible adventure together. So, of course, joining me are some friends and some members of the WW Radio Nation who were part of this adventure with us. And first and foremost, of course, I want to welcome the woman who helped make this all possible. You know her as Becky Mankin. I know her as Becky Mankin. Uh, Nihao, and welcome back to somewhat of a correct sleep schedule. I don't know about you, but I have not actually corrected my sleep schedule 100% accurately yet. I'm so but happy you said that because I thought oh it was gosh. just me. No, I, I. this has been very surprising and something, of course, that we'll talk about is, is part of the things of going to China. But um, it's so great to be here. It's so great to be talking about this trip again because... Even though it seems like it was yesterday, it also seems like it was six months ago. I don't know about you. Yeah. Um, but it's one of those things that I've been working on, on this itinerary for three years. And for it to to have come to fruition and we enjoyed it and now I'm home, I just want to go back. <laughs> well, I think, you know, I, look, I know we all miss the adventure for a lot of different reasons. But I know some friends who are not only longtime friends, they are repeat adventurers, and they too, and I'm guessing, likely also miss the dumpling buffet. They are Meg Whoa. and BJ Nodson. <laughs> Neiman how? Hi, Lou. We do miss dumplings. <laughs> when you say dumplings, do you mean me? Because that eventually became my nickname <laughs> on the. <laughs> and we miss you too. Yeah. <laughs> I also want to welcome again longtime friend who we only seem to run into each other in parks across the planet or across the country. She is Miss Jennifer Kaufman. Hey, it's so great to be on. I do miss you all. We miss you as well. We miss you as well. And longtime friends and members of the running team and the nation, they are gathered together on what has been an epic adventure um, together. They are Lori and Angelo Oliveri and Paul and Barbara Hoffman. You guys are huddled together. You're now in Walt Disney World, correct? Yes, we are. <laughs> you, we'll, we'll touch on this a little bit because uh, your, your trip to China was only part of uh, a, a true adventure of... A lifetime, but part of the reason why I wanted all of you here was not just because I wanted to hear all of your individual opinions and, and learn more about your experiences, but there was so much that we did and saw and ate that there is clearly no way that I can remember it all. And before we get into this trip, you know, this was one that really was a long time coming and something that Becky and I had discussed for. A while for you guys that were that joined us when you heard the announcement and that tickets were going on sale like literally the next day what was your thought um why don't we do megan bj first and then jennifer and then the oliveri clan <laughs> so we had actually called our mei agent right when shanghai opened and said hey if there's ever a trip that goes to shanghai we are in 
Uh, and so I feel like we, we had signed up long before. So when we heard the announcement, um, I, we checked our calendars and we said, all right, let's do this. Yeah, we just had to go. There was just no other decision. And you guys had been on an Adventures by Disney before. We had. We had been on Backstage Magic uh, also with uh, with you, Lou, and, and you, Becky. And it was so much fun. And the friends we made were uh, fabulous. And we still are in touch today. There are some of our closest friends. Um, and so we just couldn't pass it up. We, we had always said uh, we would love to go to China. We knew we couldn't go totally by ourselves. We knew we needed guides to help us uh, with the language and with the culture. Uh, and this seemed like a perfect opportunity to, to do that. Jennifer, what about you? Well, I actually was not quick enough. I had prided myself on getting in quickly to other e-ticket events and things like that. But I came in like two or three hours after tickets went on sale and they were long gone. So I actually was, um, whoever canceled your trip, thank you. And I'm sorry, but my husband and I got to go basically off of a waiting list, which was very exciting. So we had a little less time to plan, but you know, Becky emailed and said, if you still want this, we said we're in. So six or so months ago, we're like, apparently we're going to China. And, and, and just Lori, enough. In, I'm sorry. I'm just saying, in just enough time to get your visa. Yes, <laughs> basically. Yes. <laughs> yeah, let's. You know, we could do an entire show about the visa <laughs> and the challenges there too. So Meg, I'm sure, can speak to that better than anybody. But um, Oliverian Hoffman clan. What about you guys? We kind of found out, and then we kind of decided to go, and said, "We'll make this work." <laughs> and then it kind of exploded into everything else. What about you guys, Paul? Well, Barbara and I were both in separate rooms watching the announcement go on. And as soon as you said China, Barb came into the room and we looked at each other and said, we have to go. <laughs> and that was it. So really, this it was it this trip, Lori, that began what eventually became your adventure around the world? Because you really, this was sort of part of what has become, what, a 30-day long time trip for you guys correct yes, yes it was this trip that started it wow the fact that you all are still talking to each other is amazing to me after being <laughs> away <from tonight. laughs> So, so we've actually laughed the whole time, so it's been great. Well, look, I always say this to you guys: nobody has more fun than you guys. And I think, um, I, I think Meg, you made a, a great point about this is the kind of trip that I think that you want to do, but you might not necessarily pull the trigger on doing it unless you could do it together as a group. And when you hear about it being an Adventures by Disney, especially if you have done one before. You know that you have that Disney experience on top of the trip itself. Is that one of the things that was attractive to you, was the fact that it was doing it as a group and knowing that you had um, the, the, the Disney sort of cuddle around it? Yeah, definitely. This really was. We talked about it on the trip that we were always within the Disney cocoon and it really was a nice cocoon to be in because you didn't have to worry about uh, getting around. You didn't have to worry um, if you uh, didn't have a command of the language. Disney was there to help you. And you also had uh, 33, 34 um, other friends that you could travel with and share an experience it with, which I think added a ton of value. 
Yeah. And the level of customer service that you would expect from Disney is there with every Adventures by Disney. They take care of everything. It it really is uh, a luxury that we don't usually experience at home. And it, it, it really makes it special. And I think that's the, the beauty of the adventure. Look, I mean, just for example, I just happened to look to my side and uh, I had the Adventures by Disney Adventure Handbook. So even before the trip started, we get this handbook in the mail that has not just our day-by-day itinerary, but common words and phrases and what to expect dining-wise and what to pack. And it's really all about that Disney experience. Becky, I know you've been on like 176 Adventures by Disney, (laughs) and I'm exaggerating only slightly. But I think that's part of what the appeal is for us as guests, is knowing that you are going to have that same level of... um, uh, your expectations, however high they might be, I, I know for me, always seem to be exceeded. Yeah, and I'll say for the Adventures by Disney, especially the the destination that we're going to meet, I lead groups for a living, I travel for a living, and when I thought about going to China, I wouldn't really want to take a group of people by myself <laughs> into a land that I don't know the language, I'm not familiar with, but... Disney makes you feel comfortable and secure. You know that you're going to be taken care of. They're going to help you with the language. They're going to take you to places that are safe. Um, it, it really does have that that Disney brand um, hug all around you as you're going to these <laughs> international destinations. And for me personally, uh, my very first time out of the United States or, or you know, over one of the big ponds left or right was going to London, Paris and doing an Adventures by Disney for the very first time. And so that love for this product has kind of gone on for uh, 12 trips so far <laughs> with Adventures by Disney because it is such a wonderful product and it's hard to explain to somebody until you've done it. And once you've done it and then you understand the value and what Disney and the guides who make the trip uh, can bring to it. So it does make the the value for the dollar um, way correctly in your, in your brain once you've done one. And I think as and- we can, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, if I could weigh in, I talked to Becky a little bit at lunch one time Um I kind of came from the other side. I love planning trips. I don't like people telling me where to go and when. I don't like waiting on other transportation. I Group trips aren't my thing because I'm a, very much an introvert. So for me, we always said, you know, I'm sure Adventures by Disney is worth it, but is it really worth it if you like to do the planning thing? And are we going to, you know, be able to get along with all these people that I don't know because I haven't traveled with you guys before this trip. So we kind of came at it with a lot of apprehension for both of those things. And I have to say, Becky said it exactly until you go, you cannot understand the value of the trip because we'll definitely be doing another one. And Lou, just the, the community that you've created along with everybody here is amazing because everyone, I mean, we did more than tolerate. We really truly enjoyed everyone. <laughs> we enjoyed everyone there. It was such a wonderful experience. So. And then you find that once you've traveled with these people, you want to go again. You want to travel with them again. And I've seen so many families connect and couples connect who now travel the world together after they've been on an ABD together. Yeah. um, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Lou, I I know we've talked amongst ourselves here that we've always looked at it and uh, costs always seem to be a little prohibitive, but having experienced it, uh, it is worth every penny that we, we had to pay for it. Uh, they had everything ready for us. Uh, everything on the bus, giving us water and, and snacks and 
uh, food, stuff like that, it was totally, totally worth the price that they offer. Well, I think you're right. I think that comfort and security, you we, we can't really understate. You know, we're look, we're going to a foreign country where, you know, customs and the language are all so very different. It is all so completely foreign. So that that sense of security and knowing that everything was taken care of, I know for me as as a relatively frequent traveler, that for me was a big reason why. And knowing that I would certainly do this again. Um, would feel comfortable doing it with my family because of that. I, I, this is a trip I would have been very hesitant to do, planning it for me and my family, but it would something I would absolutely do if it was an Adventures by Disney because of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but let's sort of like get right into it because there's a lot to cover and I desperately want to try and not make this be a four and a half hour show. Um, <laughs> We, it, it, it really sort of officially began on September 16th when we all arrived in Hong Kong. Again, we are met at the airport by our Adventures by Disney guide. Um, some of us traveled together from the airport. Uh, it was wonderful when we got into uh, into Hong Kong. We went to the Hong Kong Disneyland Hotel. So many of you, I know, Lori and Paul, you guys, you guys were already there, and we walked in, and, and seeing those friendly, familiar faces was only eclipsed by seeing how beautiful that hotel was, and that excitement mm-hmm. of it finally becoming real, like this trip that we had waited so long for, um, uh, finally sort of came to fruition, and I knew, you know, as tired as I was from traveling 176 hours or however long that flight was, um, <laughs> I had this newfound energy um, seeing you guys and seeing the hotel. So maybe uh, Oliveri clan, uh, Jennifer, uh, Megan, BJ, in that order, what was your reaction when you first got to the Hong Kong hotel and then Becky, you as well? Well, like, like I said, I think it was a, a little relief from uh, traveling. But again, just walking in and, and seeing how beautiful the hotel was, uh, the, the setup and the park being across the way a little bit, and just seeing everything as friendly as people were trying to help you out. We had a great uh, manager of the, yeah. the concierge mm-hmm. that, that took us right to our room and let us in. Uh, that was just great to see. He gave us a little tour of the whole place, told yeah. us where everything was. Uh, pointed out we should eat at the Crystal Lotus. Lotus. Oh, he wasn't kidding. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh, best man. meal of the trip. So good. And, and, to, be, and to be clear, uh, obviously language, you know, I think for a lot of people they hear, I, I don't know how to speak Cantonese, I don't know how to speak Mandarin. Language, especially in Hong Kong, was not an issue at all, right? Did you all not sort of find that. that same thing? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And the signs were in English and probably Cantonese, so that was helpful too. Jennifer, what was your thought when you first got to the hotel? Yeah, well, aside from having been up for 48 hours, I I barely remember it. But I do remember feeling, um, and the same would be true when we got to the park, feeling like this weird dichotomy of being completely comfortable because it felt so familiar and so much like home and yet so different because we were on the other side of the world. So um, we talked a bit about how it reminds us of the Grand Floridian very much as far as design, but um, even just, you know, the cast members and just little things were very familiar, uh, but definitely had its own charm. And I I think from Megan BJ, we were uh, met with uh, a lot of friends that we had made online beforehand, in particular Lori. Lori came 
to give us our bibs for the 5K. Um, and so there was just this energy to meet the group, uh, to start you know, meeting folks that we had met online previously um, in anticipation of the trip. There was a lot of energy and excitement. And of course, all of the cast members with their smiles, just even though we were super tired, uh, that energized us. And we were then ready for the trip. We were absolutely on board at that point. Yeah, because we got there kind of late. It was like maybe 930 in the evening. Um, and even our, our adventure guides, so the, the Disney cast members who were going to lead us for the next two weeks were there uh, welcoming us, helping us check in, uh, introducing themselves. And I was thinking, my goodness, you're already not sleeping. And it's the first day. <laughs> well, obviously, Becky and I came in together. And I think, Becky, that's one of the things that we remarked uh, about is something that you all talked about is every, you know, the, the level of service at the, the Hong Kong Disneyland Hotel was so very high. And everybody had a, a smile on their face. I don't just mean our group and our guides, but the, the staff as well. And I think that, again, was part of that um, initial feeling of familiarity and comfort that we enjoyed. And then you're right, being able to meet our guides, Christian and Daisy, who obviously we will talk a lot about uh, as we go through the week. Um, from the second we met them, they treated everybody like we were all longtime friends. And there was an, an, an immediate and inherent comfort level from the second we stepped foot in the door. Yeah, and that's what I loved so much about that arrival. And uh, again, those two have done a lot of, of China throughout the year because they do the, the regular China itinerary. And the one thing I loved about it for us is that we did get to do something that even they don't get to do when they're, they're doing the China itinerary. We got to stay in the Disneyland Hotel. Well, they do visit Hong Kong Disneyland and Shanghai Disneyland, the regular like one day or half a day in the parks on the regular itinerary, our custom itinerary had us staying there on property so i was so excited about that and the guides were so excited because they don't get to stay there either uh so it was a really neat um change of pace for them and for us to walk in the door and again seeing all the familiar friendly faces and it did feel a, a lot like um like Walt Disney World in a way, just from the way things were set up and it did look a lot like the Grand Floridian however having those friendly faces across the desk trying, some of them were trying to speak English. Some of them were doing it a lot better than some of us <laughs> speaking English. <laughs> but especially after we'd been up for 24 or 48 hours and, and, you know, trying to make sentences was not all that easy anyway. But uh, one thing I do want to mention too is on all the adventures, uh, they always have somebody who meets you at the airport with the sign that says Adventures by Disney so that you know that you're in the right place. Which is very helpful because landing in the Hong Kong airport, airport can be somewhat intimidating, especially when there is that, that language barrier. So that obviates any, any sort of fear. So this is so right off the bat, this is when I start to forget about the time. So we arrived in the evening and it was the next day. Was it the next day that we had time on our own and then our welcome dinner, correct? Yes, yeah. correct. Okay. Well, some of us arrived. Yeah, I think six or eight of us arrived on that next day, on the 16th. Yes, exactly. Before the dinner, yeah. Okay, so I remember Becky and I went into, we went to Hong Kong Disneyland. Of course, we went to go and eat at Crystal Lotus for dim sum as well. Um, but maybe let's sort of go uh, around the horn. Did you guys all go to the parks that first day before the welcome dinner? No. No, no we, we went to see the Big Buddha. 
Okay, so you guys, so you are adventurers. You guys went off and went uh, trekking off on your own? We ran the Marvel 5K in the morning, and then we went to see the Big Buddha in the afternoon. When you say Big Buddha, let's be clear. You didn't come to my room. You, there's actually a large Buddha <laughs> in China. Okay. Yeah, we, we went to that, too. It's at the Poland Mo- Monastery that's on Lanto Island, which is the same uh, part of Hong Kong that, that Hong Kong Disneyland is located at. Actually, I think everyone, all three of us went, all of the, yeah, that's here. Yeah. Everyone was very neat. Yeah, no, so we, we got in that day. That'll be a theme. I think you guys will be doing those kind of excursions and I'm at Crystal Lotus having dim sum. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, just quickly tell us about that experience. Again, this was something that um, they helped you plan as something, uh, as a recommended additional excursion on your own. Um, actually, I heard Megan BJ talking about it. So, yeah. <laughs> so we went the next day. And we heard it from the guides. when we, <laughs> I, we had done some research beforehand and thought that that might be a place to go and a, and a thing to do during the free time on the first day. Um, and the guides confirmed it. We talked with them, and they were super helpful about um, navi- helping us navigate to get there. They recommended the uh, correct subway routes, which are actually really, um, uh, really well done and, and really easy to navigate once you get the hang of it. Um, and so they were really helpful in getting us there, um, and recommending the best way to get there. And I I thought it was a good introduction to, to China too, that there were, there was a lot of history in, in that monastery. You take this huge gondola up to this, the top of this big mountain, there's an 85 foot Buddha. People are there worshiping, um, and, uh, and also a lot of tourists, um, and you can kind of, you can walk around and you can hike and you can, um, so it, it was, it was a really nice, relaxing way I thought to, to get started. And so I have if- to agree until we got stranded there. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I will say just to make sure, um, the gondolas were not running. And though we knew that it was, uh, we talked to Christian afterwards who helped us get back home though. There is a taxi stand. Taxis don't go there so so you have to have a way back when you go but otherwise it was a really easy excursion and just when they say big buddha first of all i thought that that's just what meg was calling it but literally the signs i mean it has another name but the signs there say big buddha like in an arrow and it is a giant giant buddha statue 85 feet you said yeah yeah that's cool yeah it was so hot that day we had to climb up i don't know like a million two million stairs (laughs) <laughs> and then climb back the five million stairs. Then we stopped and got Chinese gelato. Lori, you didn't have to. You didn't have to qualify it and say that day. Hong Kong <laughs> is just hot. Uh, <laughs> Becky loved Hong Kong and the and uh. the heat. <laughs> And that was actually tamer for the season, believe it or not. Uh, can, can you imagine wow. it any hotter than it actually was? It does actually no. get hot. So wait, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump forward a little bit because I remember this. And Jennifer, I think you actually tweeted this the next day when we actually went to the park. Um, part of the Adventures by Dizzy experience is having a uh, VIP guide, and we had an Imagineer tour. And I don't remember who asked the question. I think maybe Christian said. Oh, doesn't this look a lot like Disneyland? And I said, yeah, if you put Disneyland on the sun. (laughs) (laughs) And that's from a Florida resident, which is hot. And and let's put it in context. I want you to imagine Disney's Animal Kingdom on the hottest, most humid day in August 
and multiply <laughs> a multiply it tenfold, and that's with zero breeze. Yeah, zero, oh. and that's how Hong Kong felt. It was still lovely and, no and wonderful, but and no ice. <laughs> that's right. There's no ice. Um, <laughs> So, all right, so then the next, so th that evening we had a welcome dinner, which is a great way to sort of kick off. We meet everybody else in the group. We get to hear a little bit what to expect over the next 12 days. But it was the next morning that things really got kicked off. Um, before we even got to the parks, I know a lot of you are fellow foodies. Can we talk for just a second about the breakfast buffet at the hotel? <laughs> oh. Right? Like, it was, like, I heard the angels sing when I went in there because <laughs> it was so beautiful and so delicious. The restaurant was the um, Enchanted Grove. Enchanted Garden? Enchanted Grove. Yeah, I think so. Enchanted Garden, oh. like the cruise ships. Just like, yeah, just like the cruise ship. But what uh -huh. the, this have has that the cruise ship doesn't is can we just talk about the dumplings for a second and the amazing dumplings? I think we'll That's be talking so about dumplings a good. lot. Oh, good. Gandhi, that was like, <laughs> that was amazing stuff. Um, and, and are you guys all, we all adventurous eaters? Lori, we know how adventurous of an eater oh, yeah. you are. Um, but what did, you, what did you guys think of the food and the dumpling on, on and the, the, the uh, Asian slash Western breakfast buffet? Anybody jump great. in. Go ahead. Yeah. The thing that stuck out to me the most, though, I mean, the food was wonderful. Um, but, you know, you, Lou, you had kind of not warned us, but told us the day before that we would see some things that we didn't expect. And I was thinking of things that we did see throughout China, like, you know, squid and, and what have you. But really, the thing I thought was the most funny was that on the Western breakfast side, they had hot dogs and like <laughs> chili. I'm like, do you think this is what we eat for breakfast? Because <laughs> I don't. But maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, we were eating chicken curry some yeah. some mornings, and uh, but I mean, just just amazing juices. I remember yes. like they had watermelon juice and papaya juice, and uh, all those juices were so good. And then like the and then the dumplings. I mean, at, every day there was probably eight to ten different kinds. And then if you caught it just right, you could get the ones that were green and white striped that were filled with that bean oh. paste. Oh, that was so good. So good. <laughs> <laughs> And yet there were still things that I could eat. Imagine that. <laughs> Becky was just happy to see a muffin on the buffet. Oh, my like, gosh. They're, and they and, were so good. And you could have an omelet. They had an omelet. There was all kinds of things. That, uh, the the buffet was a wonderful way, especially uh, for an Adventures by Disney, because there are so many different tastes. And there are uh, food allergies. And there's all kinds of things that... Uh, that we as Western travelers aren't really used to. So there were a lot of choices. So uh, I think the number one question I've been getting since I've been back is, so how was the food? Were there things that a picky eater could could have? And the answer is yes. And the fruit was amazing. Oh, fruit. Every fruit. single day, the fruit was great. Oh, forget fruit for amateurs. Come on. The food was so, <laughs> I was so giddy and happy during breakfast every day because especially yeah. if you are even if you're not considering an adventurous eater, it's a great way to sort of dip your toe. You know what? I can take a little bit of this. I can try this. And if I don't like it, it's not going to ruin my entire meal because that's the, the one thing I have to order, which is why I love the, the buffets um, in the hotels because there's nothing scary on there, but it does sort of let you expand your culinary horizons a little bit. Look, I did a lot of the same thing. I just sort of pointed and like, I don't know what that is, but I'll try it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yes. 
It was fun having noodles every morning too for breakfast. Oh, I miss I miss my noodles and dumplings for I breakfast. I miss the noodles and the dragon fruit. <laughs> See, the, the fruit was great. Sorry, I'm going to go back to the fruit a lot. <laughs> Becky, a little bit less adventurous than some others. Wait, uh, Beck, yes. Becky and Lori are opposite. Scott, you are on very opposite sides of the spectrum. I did reach out of my comfort zone, and I did try some things that I probably wouldn't have normally tried, which is, like you said, in a buffet scenario, the perfect situation to to try one or two things. I will not touch the thousand year old eggs. I'm sorry. <laughs> you got to watch everybody else do it, and and that was a, a spectator sport for me, which I you know enjoyed. Um, <laughs> By everybody else, you mean Lori? I think was the only one who had the thousand year old egg. Um, yes. Her and uh, and Daisy and, and Daisy, but Daisy is Daisy is is from China, so for her, that's just you know that's like Cheerios. Right. <laughs> uh, look, let's get into. I could spend all day at the buffet, <clears throat> as I kind of did in Hong Kong. But let's. I want to get up and into the parks. Um, we went over as a group. One thing I wanted to note was the the breakfasts were all character breakfasts, which I loved. Um, there were, I think, probably four or five different characters that came around. It was very interesting to see um, how. Some other people in other cultures, they dress for breakfast, they bring their duffies, they sort of have a little display of all their stuffed animals. But then we went up, not stuffed animals, plush, they went upstairs and there was Goofy teaching Tai Chi in the hotel lobby. (laughs) That was cool. That was really cool. And the, the amount of people who weren't doing Tai Chi and taking pictures of Goofy doing Tai Chi was, was pretty amazing. I think it was probably 300 people in the lobby alone just, just taking pictures and taking video of, of Goofy. But that was really neat as a, a nod to the culture. It was pretty cool. All right. So remind me, when we went to um, the first day in Hong Kong, is that when we had the the guides or the yes. imagineer somebody refresh my recollection they had yes. the, yes. the guides okay yes. so we had vip guides with us for a few hours when we got there in the morning correct yes. Yes. six yes. of them how many six six Which oh, was that's both right. parks i think there were tons of them yes <laughs> <laughs> it's great we were totally spoiled yep you had to have one per every so many people and so we ended up with six on that uh, that particular tour and it was one of those where we had worked out what um, attractions we thought that the group would enjoy the most and over three hours they hit the, the highlights of course and uh, that's one of the benefits of going on these trips as well is rolling in those VIP guides so you do miss whatever cues that, that you may run into, which at Hong Kong, because it was a billion degrees and 200% humidity, <laughs> we, we really didn't run into too many crowds there. But uh, it was good to have. And, and of course, being led through and and uh, uh, being able to enjoy the attractions but to walk right on was really cool. Before we get into the parks, I, I really would like to hear your initial impressions because getting to the park and how you approach it is very different than any of the domestic parks so megan bj and then jennifer and then oliveri clan and becky sort of tell me your initial impressions as you first entered the park as you first approach the gates and then once you do step foot onto main street what your your initial thoughts were Yeah, so we had an unusual way of entering the parks the first time. We actually ran a a Disney race the day before. We did the Marvel 5K, uh, and it went through the park. And so 
it was such a treat, uh, even though it was 91 degrees and 91% humidity. Um, but being able to see the, um, the outside of the park where there's this little pavilion and then being able to enter the park and run through it, um, without any people there, um, was really special and, um, a really fun way to kind of say, Oh my gosh, we have to go back there. Oh my gosh, we have to go over there. Oh my gosh, it's mystic manor. We can, let's stop and pause. Yeah, it was, it was an interesting way to, to get acquainted with the park for the first time. But the thing that struck me as we entered into the park and, and began the, the walk from, uh, the entrance way, you see these mountains in the background mm-hmm. and, um, you just, don't get to see that in, from what I can tell, of any other park. Um, the 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 Hong Kong mountains in the background were an amazing backdrop for this beautiful park. And so you see the castle, but then, you know, surrounding the castle are these gorgeous mountains. And I was really struck by that and continued to look at that um, throughout the the whole journey whenever we were in the Hong Kong park they almost look fake right like a like a facade like Cadillac Ridge <laughs> yeah. in 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 California adventure because we're it, it looks it's so foreign to us to see mountains it look especially in Florida to see mountains anywhere but to see them you know behind the as a backdrop to the castle was very odd I agree yeah I think that um for Hong, it one of the things I keep telling people is how different each city was and different each park was from one another and I think that my favorite thing about Hong Kong, if I could just generalize it, is that it did, it felt so much like Disneyland in China. And that's not a bad thing. I think it was really neat to, uh, much like when a Walt Disney World veteran goes to Disneyland for the first time or vice versa. You've talked about this before where you feel like you know what you're doing. And then all of a sudden there's a nice surprise because it's different than you were expecting. Um, you know, you go on a jungle cruise and it looks like it's going to be the jungle cruise. And then I, I know you talked about this on your, your review of Hong Kong Disneyland, the skipper will miss like one word of a pun and all of a sudden it doesn't make any sense, but they don't know that it doesn't make sense. So the whole thing is even more fun, but it was, it was so funny to just, it just felt like this alternate universe on one hand. Like bizarro Disneyland. Yes. Yes. <laughs> just familiar enough. Yeah, where everything is, is, you feel like you should know it, and then all of a sudden you're on a mine car and it does something completely different than you expect out of the middle of nowhere. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which, yeah. And I, don't, I think many of us took the same tactic. Some didn't. But I came into these parks without reading about them, yes. without yeah. going on YouTube, without doing any research, because I knew that the guides were going to get us around. But I wanted to come into it with that same discovery that I had the last time was when I went to Walt Disney World for the first time in 96. And I wanted to have that sense of discovery and and what is this around every corner without knowing. That's so I, special. I really, really appreciated that in both those yeah. parts. Because for most of us, we don't we don't get that anymore. Yeah. I mean, we just we've been to different parks so many times, and even if we go to the domestic parks for the first time, it's sort of the same. And um, but I think you know, yeah, we, we don't get that sense of surprise anymore. And the differences are sometimes subtle and they're sometimes grand where there's an attraction where it shouldn't be. Or even, look, when you step foot on Main Street USA and you notice, well, there's no tracks in the ground. There's no trolley. The the entire street is brick pavers. It looks wider than it does in Disney. Like it feels like it's just a little bit different than it was. A little shorter. Yeah. Right. (laughs) I felt like a giant in in Hong Kong. I loved it. (laughs) 
uh, well, Oliver like, the train the was. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, I was just going to say that the the train itself, I mean, when you look at, when you think about what it looked like, it's, it's familiar like Disneyland, but yet it's blue and red and just a little bit more steampunk looking than, than what we're used to in the park. So again, everything was very familiar, but odd at the same time and in a good way. Oliver and Hoffman, same, same kind of thing, same sort of impression. Yeah. You were comfortable because you, you, you were in, you're in Disney. But yeah, you're saying, what, where, you know, that's not, doesn't belong there in, in the back of your mind, but yet it works there. And it, and every, it was just like deja vu all over again, you know. Just. <laughs> I think some, for me, some things were a little on the um, edgy side of the typical Disney, like that, the baby doll head. On the arms in, <laughs> in Toy Story, Story Land, right? Let's 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 sort of put it in context. There's not just Halloween. a random baby doll head. It's in Toy Story Land, <laughs> which yeah. also happened to look. Halloween is celebrated in the Asian parks. Um, it's not something that's just uh, uh, something in the United States. And the Halloween overlay there is not just an individual attraction. It is <laughs> it is um, it bleeds throughout the entire park, and even in some of the lands like Toy Story Land, which. Some things are a little bit creepier than they would normally be. Many things were a lot creepier yeah. than they would normally be. But that was what was so cool about it because Halloween isn't just something that you sell a hard ticket to and and you go in for a party. In every park that we were in, Halloween is celebrated from the moment you yeah. get anywhere near the gates to every little nook and cranny and to every store. There's It is truly celebrated. Oh, yeah, and- I mean, just, just the music alone, as soon as you yeah. left the hotel, there was Halloween music playing throughout the whole thing. And having experienced California and now here in Florida, you don't have that. You still have the traditional music and occasionally a Halloween song, but it was constant there, which was great. And it was, and, and it, was we- it was funny to hear some of the Halloween music from the 50s and 60s mm-hmm. as you're walking yeah. down Main Street. Yeah. It just was so Monster out of Mash. context. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And and do we even have to mention the elephant in the room, which is that walkthrough? Oh, oh yeah, I wasn't. Temp- I, we don't have to. We, yeah, wait, we'll, well, I'm saving oh, that oh, because okay, I'll, well, yeah. I'll save that. Well, but let's just, save because while it. there's a lot of things that are familiar, right? There's there's a, a Main Street, there's an Adventureland, there's a Fantasyland, there's a, a Toy Story Land, and a Tomorrowland. There's also some things that are very very different, right? Gliz- mm-hmm. Grizzly Gulch is not oh. your dad's frontier land, right? Mystic no. Point does not exist anywhere else in any other park, any, which I'm almost sort of happy about because I love it. it it's so very much. So there mm-hmm. are some things that were similar. There are some things that were different. So, and look, and I did a very, I did a very thorough review on show 440 about it, but I do want to talk about, uh, we had an Imagineer tour that morning. Kendall was an Imagineer who had worked on and still was working on the park who took us through. But I do want to talk about some of the attractions, some of the things that were remarkable, familiar, different, unique, uh, or even some of your favorites. Um, And rather maybe going through every single attraction, maybe we can sort of go around the horn again and, and, uh, all right, Becky, let's let's maybe talk about the, the elephant in the room, which for me... Um, was Mystic Manor um, and and Mystic Point. It is something that is unique to Hong Kong Disneyland. Mystic Point really is a land of a single attraction 
a single restaurant and a, a walkthrough experience of which we saw a lot of, I think, in the Asian parks in general. Mm-hmm. But Mystic Manor, and, and I'm going to just sort of jump way forward for a second. I'm happy we did the parks in this order. order I'm happy yeah, we yeah, did them in you. Hong Kong first and then Shanghai and then Becky and I and a couple of people went to Tokyo. I'm really happy we did it that way. But for me... Mystic Manor and Mystic Point is just such a special attraction and land. I think far like it's not even remotely close for me that Mystic Manor is the best with an asterisk, the best permanent (laughs) attraction in Hong Kong. Agree or disagree? Absolutely agree. Maybe maybe in the world so far that I've seen, but I didn't go to Tokyo. Oh, that's interesting that you say that, having been to Shanghai too. So I know, yeah. I know, yeah. and they're yeah. a close second at Shanghai. But okay. I, I oh. love Mystic Manor. I love it. Interesting. I will interesting. tell you that I have the music on my phone, and I'm trying to figure out who the special person is that's going to get that theme song as their ringtone. Because <laughs> I just want them to call me all the time. <laughs> um, I love the attraction. I love the music. I, I love the story. I love Albert. Yeah. I may or may not have brought home a music box. Um, but everybody else, the same thing, Mystic Manor, best attraction there? Yes. 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 Yeah. It was, it was so neat to me. We actually went to the um, Destination D last year at uh, Walt Disney World, and it was all about adventure. And they brought back a lot of conversation around the whole society of adventurers and explorers. And that was so present there, and especially in Mystic Manor. I think that was just, it's like an original IP. The Imagineers, you know, we don't see that a lot. They just got to do something with nothing. And the ride technology is amazing, but the story is really where it shines, I think. It It was so much fun. And language wasn't an issue for those people. We didn't have any sort of headsets or anything. Some parts are in Chinese, some parts are in English. um, But you still got a sense of the story and I think very easily fell in love with it. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody else a comment about Mystic Matter before I move on? The only other comment that I'd make, this is BJ here, I would say that um, the queue is something not to be missed with Mystic Manor. There are so many details in the queue, including all of the um, vintage photographs that they they put up, including the the opening day photograph that they have. Um, There are some really, really special um, Easter eggs and, and little hidden details, um, as with many other rides, but this one in particular, I felt was really special and the queue is something to just take in. Mm -hmm. To that end, even outside the building, they talked about the train station across the way, which we thought was a real train station at first, but it's not. It's where they would get their goods delivered when the adventurers would find them around the world. And there's a track that goes from this train station into the attraction. And, you know, it reminded me of like Liberty Square and just all these super like tiny details that you just walk right over and they've just got it throughout the whole land. Did you guys see, and I don't mean to be a spoiler, did you see the Walt and Roy in the queue? Yes. Yeah, Yeah, but that whole thing also, oh gosh, enabled my need to have anything SEA. (laughs) Right? It's killing me me now because I'm I'm like scouring eBay for anything. And Chris is like, well, I can scan this and we can create something. I mean, uh, that's what it began. The SEA thing began right there at Mr. Manor. Yeah, and it's something that we saw, obviously... Um, in spades in Tokyo, and I think we're going to start to see even more so in the uh, in the domestic parks as well. Um, the other attraction that I thought, well, there was a couple of attractions I thought were remarkable. I thought 
And because I kept on forgetting the name, I kept on just calling it Super Duper Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. But it's really, <laughs> it's really the big grizzly. What one thing about some of the Asian parks, they have incredibly long names. The yes. Big Grizzly Mountain Runaway Mine Cars. Is that the name yeah. of it? I don't yeah. think I knew that. <laughs> or Super Duper, they pick Thunder Mountain. Because <laughs> um, again, Grizzly Gulch is somewhat familiar like Frontierland, but by the same token, completely different. And Super Duper, Big Thunder Mountain Railroad is like Big Thunder Mountain on steroids. Anybody thoughts or impressions on the first time you wrote it? Yeah, we um, just a little preface. When we were in France... Their big Thunder Mountain Railroad car it had broken down. We were trying to get in line, and we saw this car going backwards because a chain had broken, and that was the only way to get it down, and it was running backwards. So when we got on this ride, it was kind of <laughs> slow until we hit that hill, and we started going up the hill, and all of a sudden it stopped and we started moving backwards and somebody started screaming it was broken. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, that alert. was a shocker to me to, to have that. And then, then when you took off again, it was like unbelievable. The, the, bank, <laughs> the banks on those tracks were, were tremendous. And and that's a fast, you know, compared to I think what we have domestically, that's a pretty fast roller coaster. Like yes. that yes. thing moved. It was not in a scary kind of way, but it was it was very long, number one, and it, it cooked. For the second half, yes, because yeah. at the very yeah. beginning you're like, "Oh, this is cute. Oh, okay. This is this is Big Thunder. Okay." And then, and then know, Becky digs her nails into your arm because it's going so fast. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I, I I was giggling and belly laughing, and that was the exhilaration from that ride. At a certain point, and I, obviously, I'm trying not to be very giving any spoilers away on it. But when you get, it's it's amazing. It's worth the trip. That that giggle from that ride, and it tells a great story. Yeah. It you know some rides um, or some coasters. You know you you can go on and and perhaps it's just about the thrills. But this one had thrills that meant something in connection with the story that they were telling as part of the ride, which. Um, you can really take in the, the the more times you ride it, and it was it was a fun story. It's um, a story that then utilizes the thrills in a way that um, uh, you know has meaning to them, which I thought was just a great part of that ride. Yeah, and and this is the one other attraction I want to quickly mention again, which I remember the first time I rode when I went a couple years ago was the Jungle Cruise. And what's interesting about the Jungle Cruise here <laughs> is they offer three queues. There's one that's in Cantonese, one that's in Mandarin, and one that's in English. And the puns and the jokes that we're familiar with, <laughs> while the attraction is great and they have a finale here that we don't have in the domestic parks, which makes this arguably ride-wise one of the best Jungle Cruise, not everything translates but I will tell you what made this attraction so much fun for me was just watching the res the reactions of Sammy Grant to, to the skipper as he was trying to because he would just sort of like point and go elephant elephant and we're laughing hysterically and then laugh. It was so funny. You got to do that just just to have that experience for sure. I think I have that video somewhere and I, and I'll I think I actually I think I videotaped the entire thing. I'll post it along with my thousand other photos that I've uploaded already 
to Facebook. <laughs> um, but the other thing, quickly, because I know we have a lot still that we have to cover. We mentioned that that Halloween was going oh, yeah, on. Dude, there was a but... lot of Halloween-themed attractions and experiences. There was a, a Jack Skeleton character greet. There was a Pirates of the Caribbean ghost trail. But one of the things I loved, or two of the things I loved about Hong Kong, and and really arguably some of my favorite attractions were the temporary ones. <laughs> mm-hmm. I have four, one, two, three, four words for you. Marvel Dimensions of Danger. Oh. I saw it on the map and it said that it was going away like October 12th or something. I said, Becky, come on. We have to go and do this just once. Non-spoiler alert, it is a walkthrough attraction which I'm wishing or hoping or thinking or want to believe is maybe a test for something they will bring to the domestic parks. But oh, even though so. we didn't understand half of what they were saying, <laughs> between, first of all, they invested so much time and effort and clearly dollars into what is basically a, a pop-up attraction. But it's a fun walkthrough with live characters and very interactive and I got up there with Thor, who was a striking, handsome man, by the way. And we just had, right back, like Becky, the first time we did it was was together. It was such a fun, like, oh, unexpected joy. With every turn, you and I would look at each other like like seven-year-old kids, wondering what was what candy pile was in the next room. And what was kind of amazing to me that hit me at the very beginning, you're, you're calling it a walkthrough. But remember, on after that first room, you're told to run. You're running. So I'm sitting, run. <laughs> I'm not sitting here thinking, okay, where's the safety first part? Because we're all like banging into each other, running as fast as we can between the two rooms, and it just the story is is incredible. And again, I got to see Thor twice, which was you know magical on so many levels. But but. If they would take that attraction and bring it to the the domestic parks, I think that that would be a winner without question and probably one of the most amazing things that I saw in Hong Kong Disneyland. Right, because the it, effects, you know, this yeah. was not a – it didn't look like a temporary like, like Halloween. No. Yeah, they, there was a no. lot of investment in that. Oh, yes. At, at first I was thinking like if anybody's been to the one in Vegas where they have a, an adventures walkthrough that you pay about 40 bucks to, to go and enjoy, that's a walkthrough. This was not a walkthrough. This was entertainment at its best in with the effects were amazing and the storytelling was great and the, uh, the cast members, the, the actors were so believable in their roles. I was enthralled by that attraction. It, it really was like a, a play that yeah. you were an actor in. Yeah. And yeah. The, the, there were so many props and you're right in special effects and, and the door you think you're going to go through next disappears. And then this other door just magically opens and it's, it was really amazing. Uh, and so much fun. We were just so giddy after going through it. I'm like, uh, when are we going through that again? Yeah. yeah. And it yeah. brought in a lot of different IP too, right? It was Doctor Strange and Guardians of the Galaxy and Thor yeah. and, and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Like, there was a lot of cool stuff happening in there. Yeah. Yeah. The Marvel presence at this park was spectacular. There were just so many different Marvel things that... Um, they were able to weave into this attraction and then, you know, other areas of the park, too. So that was just a really fun surprise. And so this, t- for me, leads into another and I think a fun surprise, BJ, is a great way to put it. 
there was a facade or a maze or a building, whatever you want to call it, <clears throat> and on the map it was listed as the Maze of Madness, the Nightmare Experiment. Again, they like long names. Maze of Madness, the Nightmare Experiment continues. I think of all the things that we saw, this has to be one of the most... Look, I, I will put it this way. You will never, ever see this in a domestic park. No. Um, <laughs> it, it is, it, if like... Disneyland after dark. Not even like if 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 Brigantine Castle in Long Branch in New on the Jersey Shore and uh, like a, a, I don't even know how to. You can't. You can't. It was so weird and so scary. You sort of go into this lab of horrors and you encounter different rooms like. With Stromboli and this, we—I'll never watch Pinocchio ever again. Right. <laughs> like, and the funny thing is, is if you go to the Hong Kong Disneyland site, it's one of the the pictures that they highlight for their Halloween celebration. So uh, this walkthrough, of course, is is one of the things that they do annually, apparently for Halloween. So that's why it says continues because I think last year was the first year they did it, and somebody said that it was so it went over so well with uh, with the guests that they had to bring it back. But I, th- I I don't know about you guys, but when I walked out of that, I was like, what did I just see? Someone explain to me what that was. It consistently had long lines too, yeah. so I, I don't doubt that it was popular. I didn't love it. You did not love it. <laughs> No, I did not love it. It was so, it was like bizarro. <laughs> so weird. It was like, I, I don't even know. There's nothing else like it. Um, no. But, and it was also something that, you know, they would involve the guests, like in the one Alice in Wonderland room when they brought the guest into the room and they put the vice on her head. Like, <laughs> these are things that would never, ever happen. But this too, again, there was clearly a lot of time and thought and money that was invested into this attraction. And, and I think calling it a, a temporary attraction is almost doing it a bit of a disservice. Because so, even if you didn't love it, you have to sort of acknowledge just what it was in terms of a, a temporary experience. Oh, yeah. It certainly got a reaction out of <laughs> all of the guests. And, you know... If, if an attraction can get that type of reaction out of its guests, it's certainly um, it's certainly doing something right. And I mean, there were, you know, clowns in there that I'm not even sure what property they were drawing from for, for that one. But it was very scary. And it was uh, like going through a, a haunted house, uh, but with Disney characters somehow <laughs> involved it was it was just amazing yeah um before we move on from hong kong because again i i'm trying not to let this show be seven hours long um i want to talk about the real elephant in the room because how have we not mentioned the food as yet because the food in these parks is sometimes similar but sometimes vastly different than what we see domestically. There's a lot of food that is cute, yet delicious. Uh, it was different everywhere that we went. If we could go around the horn and maybe tell me your favorite or most unique food item that you had or favorite meal that you had, what what you loved or your thoughts uh, about the food. Again, uh, Megan BJ, um, Oliveri Clan, uh, Jen, and Your Majesty. 
Sure. My uh, my favorite was a counter service. Actually, we we ate with uh, with you, Jennifer, and your husband Kyle. Um, that uh, it was like a like different stations you could go to, um, but they were all represented different Asian countries. So I think there was Vietnamese, Thai food, Chinese, and Japanese. And um, and I had this. Uh, it was like a kind of like a. I think it was a chicken curry. I'm not really sure. <laughs> and they had the pictures of the food, and you just kind of pointed to the food you wanted, and then you hoped for the best. And it was uh, it was really good. Um, and it had lentils and curry and rice and served with chopsticks. So it was sometimes a little challenge eating because there were no no forks. But uh, I thought that that was that one was my favorite. That was absolutely delicious, and I remember we also got um, some steam buns as a, a quick service, um, at, and the steam buns were fantastic. They were just amazing. The food was of great quality, and it was authentically Asian. It was just perfect. And those buns were in the shape of little pigs. Well, they, they were. were. Three little pigs. They were three little pigs. That's yeah. exactly right. <laughs> you go to the corner cafe at the end of Main Street, and while they do have a Western menu, you would get everything from pan-fried Chinese beef to Japanese oh, tonkatsu, the pork cutlets, um, Singapore uh, seafood laksa, um, a Wagyu beef burger. They had seafood spaghetti. Yeah, yeah they, so, and I think you guys ate there at the same time we did. A, yeah, a, yeah. a huge variety um, throughout the entire park. Jen, get, what was yours? Well, it's... Um, First of all, we did eat one uh, Western meal there, and I actually wouldn't recommend it, not just because you're um, somewhere else and should maybe experience their cuisine if you're adventurous enough, but they don't do Western food great, but we had to go to the, was it the Starliner Diner? It might have been in Shanghai. As, I can't remember. I'm getting confused, too. But, Lou, you had said there was a rumor that everything was served with plastic gloves, and it is true, which I thought was interesting. <laughs> um, my... I don't know that it was my favorite necessarily. Um, definitely wasn't the best thing that we ate, but I was intrigued by it. it felt very, um, well, again, authentically Disney, distinctly Chinese that uh, it, every, everywhere you went, both parks had like, you know, your Mickey bar, which is quintessential Disney snack food, but they would always have four to six different kinds. The Hong Kong had stitch and lotso and they were like mm-hmm. um, sherbet kind of bars. And then there was a mini bar at, Shanghai. So I thought that was really interesting to take a super iconic snack and not necessarily make it distinctly Chinese, I don't think, but make it different enough. Um, we had to try all of them. So it wasn't the best food that I ate, but it was really fun. <laughs> Becky, what about for you? <laughs> well, I got a couple. Um, one of them isn't in the park, but the, the dim sum meal that we had at um, Crystal Lotus was so fun and so entertaining and having the the little um, dim sums that were the, the little piggies or the little green men or the Duffy character. That was a lot of fun and a very good meal and the food was terrific. Um, but I want to step back real quick to the Explorers Club restaurant because I think a lot of us made a beeline for that mm-hmm. that first day because it was Mystic Point and it was SEA and there was stories in there. And um, I, it, that was my first introduction to, and I think Lou, you and I have talked about this a lot, where we now have a much larger appreciation for foreigners in, in our domestic parks. Mm-hmm. Um, 
because there were two separate areas that you, if you wanted one type of food, you should have been in one queue. But if you wanted a different type of food, you should have been in another. And if you didn't know what you were choosing, you're standing there staring at a board and not really knowing what you want. So you kind of point at things. And I'm sure that we frustrated the heck out of people behind us <laughs> and in front of us. And the, the poor people at the counter where I'm going, I want that, but not that, but with that, but I want that, but can I have that too? And it was um, it was kind of eye opening. One of the first real because, you know, you're in the Disney bubble when you're in the um, in the hotel or when you're surrounded by the guides. But lead, lead, leave us to our own devices in these poor restaurants uh, became kind of a OK. Now now I can tell that I'm not going to get an American cheeseburger if I ask for that. So it, it was um, it was very uh, culturally um, educational to to dine there. Yeah, and 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 to that point, I think we in the domestic parks, when we start to get frustrated for the foreigners that are in front of us that are, are holding a menu and looking around confused, like I, I get it, man. Like you need to be a little bit more patient because yeah. I've been on the other side. I I also want to add though that I did get introduced to the smell that was the fried squid, <clears throat> which to this oh, moment. I forgot about- if I even think about that smell, because it's a cart, there's a couple of carts that do fried squid out in the middle. And as you're walking by, some of you loved that smell. I was like, how fast can I run away from this smell? <laughs> and then watching them create that smell right in front of you. Um, those There were some interesting cart choices uh, in, in Hong Kong Disneyland. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm mad about the fried squid because Becky, you yeah. were with, I rec- I was gonna eat it and I was gonna do a video and I spent like a half hour doing my like intro and getting all ready and then I got up to the cart and they didn't take a credit card and I had run out of Hong Kong dollars so <laughs> I never and but Laura you had the squid yeah yeah oh yeah we all I passed it around till we tried it and it was good it was like um it's like jerky. Squid jerky. <laughs> <laughs> Again, not the for aroma everybody. Was a little, yeah. yeah Becky aroma. didn't enjoy the aroma, but the taste wasn't so bad. Yeah, and and you and all of us ate worse things, and we'll we'll get to that as we start uh-huh. to move forward. <laughs> real, real quickly, before you move off of Hong Kong, I'm, I no, I still have to talk about my. I'm haven't hit my favorite. Oh, yet. I'm sorry. No, we're done. Okay, no, 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 please. I just all right. But before you do your your big crescendo at the end. I just want to mention that nobody talked about Iron Man. No. I, I almost did, but <laughs> it's interesting. It I mean, because a lot of people are going to expect, uh, you know, because that's the latest, greatest over there between Iron Man. And I also want to say that thank you, Meg, so much for, for trusting me on Parachute Drop. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and then last but not least, I want to mention, wasn't that the best Buzz Lightyear ever? Yes. yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> just I could actually see what I was pointing at. All right. So what was your favorite food, Lou? Uh, so oh, now I'm, I'm all distracted again. So <laughs> just to, the one thing I liked about Hong Kong and all the Asian parks is that the food is different everywhere that you go. Um, I Becky, you were with me most of the time. I, I literally tried and for the most part accomplished just eating my I was like Pac-Man just eating my way through the parks um I really liked the bakery on Main Street I had this huge Mickey shaped soft roll roll with icing on it did anybody else try that it was so good 
But my favorite oh, meal mm-hmm. and possibly my favorite meal on the entire trip was at the Crystal Lotus. Um, one night when we yeah. were on our own for dinner, I went there and I had a little me party, a table for one. But I had such – the food and the surface and the atmosphere, it was like – it was exactly what I had hoped um, a, a meal in China was going to be like, and I loved every second of it. Yeah, that was that was the same for us, I think. We got the other day early and we went there, not expecting anything fantastic. It was easily the, the top meal of the trip. Yeah, that, that I agree. That chicken skin that they somehow magically – Fry up was amazing. Yeah, it was phenomenal. Um, all right, so listen again because we have so much more in Hong Kong and Beijing and Shanghai. We have to hit just quickly go around and give me your overall um, your overall thoughts about a Hong Kong Disneyland, the park, the food, the cast members, the experience, the resort. Um, we'll go in reverse order this time. Becky, Jennifer, uh, Oliveri, Hoffman Clan, and Megan BJ. Wow. For me, it, it was a very pleasant surprise. Um, I don't know really what my expectation level was going to be about the the parks and the resorts, but uh, the cast members, everybody is smiling and waving, which is really nice anywhere when you're on Disney property, of course. But the, the hotels, I think, uh, were a standout to me as well. Went over to see the other two resorts besides the Disneyland Hotel that we stayed at. Uh, went to the Explorers Lodge, which is the brand new one. And I was, it was immaculate and everything had story through that, uh, through the lobby and it had so many more, um, choices for food options and a lounge option. And you also had that over at the Hollywood, uh, as well. I would just say to me, it was like a, it was a very pleasant surprise on a Disneyland DCA type scale with a lot of good food that I was not anticipating. Jen? I, I think um, it was really interesting to see, you know, we talked about how it resembled Disneyland, but I think it was neat, kind of like you said, to see some of the things that may then make their way back full circle to domestic parks. Um, you know, there's, we talked, we actually had a different Imagineer, Joe, in my group, and um, she talked about the Marvel expansion and some of the, uh, like the walkthrough may have a similar attraction there. And uh, we got to see kind of what I think is like a preview of our Toy Story land, but you know, ours will obviously be a little different, which the theming was so cute. So I think it's really neat to see kind of how just, it's like cyclical. The parks just seem to kind of influence one another in the best way. So I, I think that was, it was just really neat to see, you know, kind of glimpses of what they're doing in other parts of the world and what we might see affect our, our parks here. And also, um, I was going to say they, they, the guides at both parks said that the Turkey leg line was like an hour and a half long sometimes. So I still don't understand that, but some things are <laughs> universal, I guess. <laughs> All of various and Hoffman's. Go ahead, Barb. for me i think it was um i did the 10k and i had a walk from the hotel to the park all by myself and i was not nervous i felt totally comfortable felt exactly like i was almost home like at the parks here in florida kind of feeling and i and i never uh people said hi to me Maybe not in English all the time, but I just smiled back. <laughs> but it was very, very comfortable. 
right? Yeah, it was. I was surprised that I was surprised at how friendly everybody was and how helpful. That was the part that I was more surprised with. Is if you ask somebody a question, they found somebody who could speak English yes. to answer your question, which I thought was really outstanding. That really that helped a lot getting around. I also like that they surprised us with a fire drill one night. Pajama party. It was a pajama party. We put a lot of planning into that. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, I just I thought it was a, a, a great introduction to what the rest of the trip was going to be like. Uh, the Hong Kong people were really wonderful. I loved the attractions that I was familiar with uh, that were just a little different, like the Jungle Cruise, like the big grizzly mountain runaway mine car rider and even the lion king um yeah. uh show uh was was very very chinese and so wonderful uh and you didn't need the language um to be able to really understand and appreciate it and i i, I loved that yeah it was a perfect introduction and like you said lou i'm so glad we did this park first um considering this park's scale and considering um, the the rides and the familiarity, it being you know somewhat modeled after um, you know Disneyland, there was enough familiarity for us to to sort of ease into uh, the experience. And uh, you know the takeaway for me was just the the just the wonderful uh, and freshness of a lot of the rides. Um, just you know getting to see rides for the first time and getting to experience a park for the first time. Uh, it just made us feel like we were, you know, going back in time to the first time we visited uh, the other Disney parks. And uh, it was just a great um, first step on the tour. It was just fantastic. And I think for me, um, it was incredibly hot. <laughs> uh, no, I think the, um, you know, I tried to come up with a, a single word or phrase. I think the park is very charming. Um, yeah. There was something um, I, I felt myself sort of romanticizing about this park a little bit because it did feel so much like Disneyland, but there were some things that were so unique to it, um, which is why we go, right? It's why we go. We wouldn't want to go and see a carbon copy of the parks that we have here. So I enjoyed and appreciated all the differences. One of you mentioned the cast members. I think it's important to acknowledge that, um, again, the, the language barrier was not much of a barrier. The one thing I felt throughout this, um, uh, throughout the entire experience in Hong Kong is that every cast member greeted you with a smile on your face. Um, mm -hmm. Even, you know, one day that uh, I was just wandering around the park, every single cast member that I encountered greeted me with a smile, asked me if they could help me. And, and that's, it, it was nice to see that, that same level of um, guest interaction and service, especially when they knew that there were probably times that we looked a little bit more confused. Um, but uh, again, I, I think it was incredibly charming. I think some of the attractions um, are remarkable in their own right. Um, but I do want to move on because there's going to be a lot more that we need to talk about. We did get to spend, and again, the next day, I believe, is when we took the bus to, uh, we went shopping in Stanley Market, and then we went to Victoria Peak. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. So um, 
Stanley, you know, what I like about this trip, and Becky, we were saying before, you know, what you, is unique about this is that we did do the Disney things. These are more of the experiences that you would have on a regular ABD, and I'm happy that we were able, able to do both and not just Disneyland. Um, yeah. Anybody have any comments specifically about um, Stanley Market or Victoria Peak, or we took the ferry across to um, Kowloon, and then I think some people spent some time in Hong Kong um, on their own before we flew out the next day. Um, anybody specifically, any comments or thoughts about Stanley Market or the observatory? Not specifically that so much as on the bus tour, we we drove into, or on the bus, we drove into Hong Kong, the city and, and different parts of the area. And we did basically have a tour. We had a local guide that was talking about, you know, Chinese culture, the difference between Hong Kong and mainland things, some history. We learned about, you know, feng shui con consultants and and it was really neat to uh just kind of hear some stories even even silly things he had what nine cell phones and i, I don't know it was just <laughs> it was fun to really see because while it's nice to have that disney bubble it was fun to see the rest of the world you know a little part of the rest of the world besides the disney park so i loved that we had time there in each city yeah and and the the hong kong skyline is unlike anything I've ever seen. Oh my gosh, yeah. Uh, it was, it was just went on and on and on. Yeah. And, um, you know, there are parts of Hong Kong that look like Times Square and there are parts of, uh, parts of it that look very futuristic. Um, and it was, it was just a, a gorgeous day when we did that, uh, that tour. And so be to be able to see the, you know, to go to the, uh, Victoria Peak, and then to go on the Star Ferry and to be able to see the skyline from the water. It was really cool to be able to do that. And we had stayed after um, the the tour, and so we had stayed into the evening. And just to see the the neon lights of the city. I mean, this city lights up at night, and it becomes a thing of its own. And it was just spectacular to see. Um, how the city uh, reacts at night and when it really comes alive with the neon lights. And it even has a light show from that you can watch from the pier and you can see the skyline uh, light up. Now, our, our guides had, had warned us that it's, it's not Disney and it's not of the spectacular nature that, say, a closing ceremony at Disney would be. And they were they were right, but it still was really spectacular to see the lights of the city coordinated and light up and have a light show um, of its own, which was really, really fun. Yeah. You know, I want to go to the next day because the next day we um, had breakfast. I said goodbye to the dumpling buffet um, <laughs> and went to the Hong Kong airport for our flight to Beijing. And this is where, for me... I think this was a good indicator of why Adventures by Disney is the way to do a trip like this because our flight was delayed and then it was delayed and delayed and delayed again. And we had an agenda of things that we were supposed to do that day. We were supposed to go to the Temple of Heaven and have a special dinner and then move over to our hotel. Had they not told us what our original agenda was going to be, you wouldn't have known that they were adjusting on the fly because it was that delay was completely seamless thanks to our guides. They altered the itinerary 
on the fly. So instead of doing what we were supposed to do that day, we took the day, the following day's itinerary, brought it in. We would never have known had they not told, told us. So I really applaud uh, Christian and Daisy for doing that. They made what could have been a potentially unpleasant experience and, well, we're not going to be able to do this into it's okay, we've got this, we're just going to you know, move some things around. Um, and, and I really, really appreciated that. I think that yeah. the two hours that we spent in the airport together built a camaraderie amongst the whole group too because the, we all got to know each other a little better. The, the, just All we did was sat around and talk for a couple hours. And we and laughed. Nobody was mad, right? Nobody was mad. No. Nobody was, you yeah. know. We had a lot of fun. I think that's where we tried the dry duck tongue. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> it's one of those things that uh, a lot of you guys don't don't know what happens, and you're not supposed to. If if um, if good guides with a group do their jobs correctly, you don't know what's happening behind the scenes. You don't know what's happening backstage. All you see is the production and the show on stage. And they were flawless with this. We had a a lot of options and choices and we went through them and we decided what would be the best for the group. And they, when, when they say goodbye to us each night or each day, when they go off to go back to their hotels, we think, Oh, they're probably relaxing and having a good time and being out the pool. No, these guys are working their back ends off uh, for preparations for either that night or the next day. And again, the guides really make these trips. And uh, again, being a veteran of so many of them, I've been um, so lucky to be able to say that I've never had, quote unquote, a bad guide. These guys know what they're doing and they do it really well. And they come back on stage with a smile on their face. And this was a great day for that when we had to wait around and you guys had to eat duck tongue. (laughs) (laughs) But we get to Beijing. Again, we're not worried about our luggage. We're not worried about anything. We go right into what is next on the itinerary. And this for me uh, this day for me was really one of my favorites on the trip, mm-hmm. and it involved nothing Disney. We went and we did a um, uh, a pedicab tour around Beijing, and what I think they told us was sort of a, a typical middle-class neighborhood. And mm-hmm. I didn't know that this was coming, maybe because I didn't read my itinerary ahead of time, <laughs> but they brought us into the homes of two families in Beijing. This for me was a remarkable, eye-opening experience on so many different levels. It was wonderful to go and be welcomed into their homes and learn how to make the rope art and the bracelets and do the paper cutouts, but to see how these families lived. I was spending more time watching the, the families and seeing the little girl doing her homework in the makeshift bedroom slash kitchen slash walkway that we were going through. And there's seven to 10 families that are in a space that's smaller than the first floor of my house with no TV and share You know, there was, there was a lot about this that was very, um, it, it continues to stick with me. Um, and the, the, the takeaways weren't just the fun that I was having doing the art, but it was seeing how uh, different people live in different parts of the world. Look, one thing we didn't mention, you know, there's one thing that we take very much for granted, and it's clean water. Like, mm-hmm. we didn't, nobody remarked that 
you, when you're in most of China, you probably should be not just drinking bottled water, but you should be brushing your teeth with it. Um, you know, these guys don't have clean water. They, they forget, I want to tell my kids, forget the newest game on PS4. They don't have a TV. You know, there was a lot of people out fishing because that's just what you do. That's just the only thing there was to do. So this for me, and, and I would love to hear your thoughts in, in anybody sort of bark out, um, your thoughts about um, this part of the, the Beijing tour. That part of the tour was probably the most eye-opening for me, just seeing, well, first to realize how old those places were. Seven, eight hundred years old that they were living in, and they, the only way that they could build was up. And I, I don't know how they live like that. I really don't. I, but, you know, I know they had running water, but I don't think they had bathrooms in some of them. Yep. They had, uh, it was just really very eye-opening as to the day-to-day life of a normal, middle-class Beijingite. Yeah, because I think that the the people who welcomed us into their homes were were teachers and engineers for the government, um, and to have them talk about their their lives and they they welcome tourists now as their retirement gig, uh, and it was started. They told us as part of the 2008 Beijing Olympics to do these cultural exchanges, uh, and it was so great, and the the, the people were so gracious. Um, to welcome us, and it was really, really interesting to see how middle class lives in mainland China. Well, so certainly, it also, showed, it also showed the importance of family that they mm-hmm. have because yeah. you have the grandmother taking care of the grandchildren while the parents are out yeah. working, doing whatever, and uh, you know that that family clan, if you want to call it, uh, just how they take care of each other. I thought it was amazing. And this is where an Adventures by Disney really shines because, mm-hmm. sure, any of us can say, hey, we're going to go to Hong Kong Disneyland and then we're going to go to Beijing and go see the the Great Wall and then we're going to go somewhere else. But Adventures by Disney has a um, a goal and that is to not only introduce you to the, um, the wonderful tourist areas and the things that we all want to see, but also to introduce us and immerse us in the culture. Mm-hmm. And every single one I've ever gone on, there's been some element of, of this where we had that opportunity to really be hands-on with the culture in some way. And I knew that this was going to happen, and I was so um, – amazed at being able to sit in somebody's living room. I had not had that opportunity before, but to see these people open up their houses and say, let me show you a skill. Let me show you. And I, I failed miserably on, on both of the skills, but it was a lot of fun to, to, with, with no English translation between us whatsoever for this, this lady to show us how to tie a knot, which is so um, prevalent in the artistry of their society. Um, it, it really touches your heart every time you have these experiences and you have a, a much better understanding about their world than what we see on TV. Well, yeah, you, I think we got to learn a lot about, um, you know, generations in Beijing and then just in China in general, because we got to hear their stories. And this grandmother is talking about how her 
you know, her kids moved out to, you know, essentially the suburbs and they want to stay with this life in the city. And it's, it's kind of different than we're used to. And we keep saying middle-class and I think that was, but this is still a family who in this small space with this tight knit community had money to travel to Shanghai Disneyland the first year it opened. So we go and it is incredibly eye opening to see what, how different, you know, classes and, and generations and family units look in other parts of the world. And, um, that was, Becky, you're right. That was truly special. That is probably the most, uh, the bottled water and everything was wonderful. Christian and Daisy, I could never say enough wonderful things about them, but that was the most, I think, special and unique thing that ABD offered was this glimpse into just real life on the other side of the world. And so I agree a hundred thousand percent and I'm going to somewhat gloss over we, that night we went to dinner they they talked about this restaurant for Peking Duck, um, which I understand why it was phenomenal. I saw Dr. J. Like, I go across the planet, and there's Dr. J having dinner at the same Peking Duck restaurant <laughs> in Beijing. But I felt a little tiny bit, maybe a lot more, a bit of guilt. It went away very quickly. But a little bit of guilt when we go from that to the Rosewood Beijing. <laughs> Which, all right, if I if I would have done this itinerary over again, I would have added a night. I swear, yeah, I would have yeah, added a night. To say it's probably one of, if not the nicest hotels ever, <laughs> is not overstating how nice the Rosewood was. We all thought we got upgraded. We're like, wow, we must have got a really special room. <laughs> it had a walk-in closet. <laughs> It had a walking tub. Well, it's and, and from what I understand, this is something that in it, it obviously not for everyone, but in some hotels, you have a, a wet room. You have this giant walk-in shower with a tub there that's enclosed and windows to the outside or windows so you can sure. see your TV, which was amazing. Except if you've been eating dumplings for three days and then see yourself in the full length mirror, you're like, oh my God, I can't have any more dumplings. Mirrors everywhere. <laughs> Mirrors everywhere. Um, but a remarkably beautiful hotel with a, a great view there was, of, of. There was Beijing. a button for everything. There was a yes. button on the wall for any electrical thing to turn on or off or. Raise um, and lower and. Yes. yes. I think it took well, me 30 minutes to figure that out. And the service was, I mean, we all love Disney and Disney has fantastic customer service and great amenities. And I, I heard a couple of different people say what we know of as deluxe, we're kind of blinded, I think, because this place was unbelievable. I had my sunglasses sitting out on the table when we went to dinner and I kid you not, I came back and they had cleaned them and left the little like sunglasses glass cleaner with the rosewood logo on it like i mean they they wrapped up all of our cords it was great and that was just like turn down service yeah. and you so, know I, i've stayed in some really beautiful hotels uh, all across the world and this is the very first one where uh, i had my wake-up call in the morning and the the phone rang and i didn't make it in time and so you know you just get up and you know they're probably going to call again no they send somebody up to the door oh to lightly rap on the door to make sure that i'm awake I mean, how amazing is that? Next level. Did you guys, sure. did you guys go down to the pool room where the elevator doors open oh. and the walkway is all lit with candles? Oh. Yes, we oh. we did. We went to, we went we took one afternoon and went into the hot tub just to relax. And it it was this beautifully it it was an indoor pool, but it had skylights. Uh, so it was on the rooftop, and it, and so it looked like it was in the outdoors, and it just 
lush with plants and candles. It was the most relaxing hotel pool I've ever been to. It was beautiful. The room was like an apartment. The room oh, was yeah. absolutely like a, like a studio apartment. Um, and everything was so fluffy and comfortable. I could have stayed there. <laughs> <laughs> All the way down to the, the slippers on the floor oh, that were waiting gosh, for it you. Nice. It was so oh. nice. I the know. only thing I liked more than the, my room was the buffet Breakfast. the next morning. Yes. Oh, yeah. the oh, right. That was amazing. Holy smokes. It was <laughs> huge. Like, again, so many different um, Asian as well as, as Western things. So well presented. Um, incredibly elegant and delicious. I could have stayed, and I, I did. I stayed there for, I think I had two breakfasts that morning because I think I ate and then Becky came down. I'm like, oh, I was waiting for you and I got to eat again. <laughs> so that's what that was all about. <laughs> um, so this, I think the second day, this is when we went to uh, the Temple day. of Heaven. This was the walking day. Um, yep. th- yeah. six hour march. But this was a walking day that was worth it. Um, we went to... The Temple of Heaven, which right. is just it, they did a they did a really remarkable job of copying the one in Epcot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's just twice bigger. as big and like a thousand years old. Um, you don't understand, you know, when you see the replica in Epcot, you kind of get it, and then when you see and touch this this the, the thing that it was based on. Um, Anybody, what were your thoughts the first as you started to approach and then you saw the Temple of Heaven in person? Just the size, just, just how huge it really was in, in real life compared to what we have here in Florida. <laughs> I was just really surprised by um, all of the people. So that there's a there's a park that surrounds it and and a lot of retired uh, people go there just to hang out. So there are people playing cards and people uh, having a dance class and some people like on a jungle gym. And um, it was very vibrant. And I was really surprised for uh, a national monument like that to have so much local activity. It was very cool to see. It was kind of like a... I'm sorry, it was kind of like a retired person's hookup place. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Call it what it is, you know. They but, sort of yeah, go but wait a minute. Because yeah, there were but hundreds these, of people. Like, yes. You weren't joking. It's a ton of people. And these guys are like in their 70s, and there was this one man who was in pike position sitting on a on a bench in pike position. And then he let go. He was holding his legs up, and then he let go and put his arms straight out, and he was still in pike position. And I don't think my abs were ever in that good of shape when I was like twelve, let alone seventy something. And, and, and like, the guy who was swinging around on yeah. the bar yeah. and the hacky sack circles, yeah, like, yeah, crazy. It, it was so neat. And then remember walking up to the um, the Temple of Heaven through those narrow uh, th- through those alleyways where they were playing checkers or whatever the yeah. the game was of the day, and everybody just laughing and they were having so much fun. And the school kids that were coming yep. by to visit it as well, and we were all high fiving them, and they were looking at us like we were crazy Americans, and it was great. There was a lot of giggling and laughter. And again, you don't have to speak the same language to to have those in in enjoying moments you know yeah it um look the 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 temple itself is a Mm -hmm. remarkable achievement in terms of architectural it's an architectural masterpiece Uh, even the 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 landscape um around it you know there's so much um 
symbolic importance in in Chinese culture, and you really get a sense of seeing it um, at, at, a, at a very different scale. And this is almost a teaser of what we were going to encounter, you know, after this. Um, but I, I agree; it was great to see the people just enjoying their time. I mean, there was nothing; they just have sort of annual passes there, and this is where they go to spend their days after they retire. Um, from there, we went over to, um, this is when we went to Mrs. Fu's, right? The, the Fu family yes. tea house. Oh my God, I love this meal so much. Um, <laughs> so, so we went back to an area of Beijing where we had been before, this beautiful waterfront area where again, there are so many multi-generational people and families out there um, fishing. And we went to, uh, the Fu family's tea house and had yet another incredibly wonderful, delicious meal. Um, there were a couple of things that um, just for me personally, I remember about it again, feeling like we were being welcomed into um, a place of historical significance because of how long it was there. I met Mrs. Fu. I talked to Mrs. Fu like we were like became fast friends. And it was so funny because we were chatting for a little while and I was asking her about some of the, the architecture and some of the art that was there and the history of the house. And at one point I said, oh, can I take a picture? And she goes to walk away. I says, no, no, I want to take a picture of me and you. And she's like, well, why do you want to take a picture of me? I'm like, oh, come on, get in here. And she's like, oh, come on, please. I'm too old for you. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, not if you keep cooking like that, Mrs. Fu. No, you're not. <laughs> But the one other thing that I remember, and I know, Lori, you had taken some, some similar photos. Sometimes the translation from Mandarin or Cantonese to English doesn't always come across. Uh, and if you, and if you use Google Translate and the, the uh, picture-taking function, you see some words are interpreted very, very literally. And forgive me, for, like, I remember there was a sign on the bathroom door. It said, please don't poop. In the bathroom. In the bathroom. In the bathroom. So, yep. um, so what was your thoughts about, um, any sort of thoughts about Mrs. Fu's or the tea house or that meal or, or just that section of Beijing? Uh, I was really struck. So this tea house is not open to the public. Uh, Adventures by Disney is able to have this be a special thing just for its groups. That in itself was really cool. Um, but when I realized that the chair that I was sitting in was from the Ming dynasty, because uh, Mrs. Fu is a huge antique collector. And so the chairs around the table are these enormous antiques that if I was at my local art museum, I wouldn't be allowed to even touch. And here I am sitting, scarfing my fried shrimp uh, <laughs> on this gorgeous chair. It, I, I jumped up immediately and I was like, I shouldn't sit down. I, I don't know where what to do or what to touch because everything here is an antique. Uh, that was so cool that, that she trusted us and welcomed us like we were family. Um, that was the best part, I agree. Mm. And it was so great to um, experience, you know, authentic uh, Chinese meals. And, you know, as our guides had said, you know, it's oftentimes family style. And so we just kept getting um, food brought out. It just it didn't <laughs> stop. It just there was just we when you think you're done, 
then you're moving on to third and fourth courses and fifth courses of food of new and interesting stuff. And it was just so great to be able to uh, try everything and do it on a on a table that was uh, had like a lazy Susan on it so that you just could rotate the food kind of constantly around and 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 sample what you'd like so it was just so great to to be able to experience that yeah they had some things that you would recognize like they had this some like boiled peanuts which had like a peanutty flavor but then they also had fungus yeah which i actually grew to really love we started eating fungus all over the place and it was (laughs) it was really delicious it was delicious Mm -hmm. oh my gosh i love that meal mrs foo if you're listening call me um I want to um, look one of uh, one of the as much as I love and, and miss Mrs. Fu and her lazy Susan. Where we went next on our tour was really one of the most in parentheses exhausting highlights for me, because when you think sometimes of of China and 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 recent and long term Chinese history, um, the Tiananmen Square and the Forbidden City are two things that you have to see to believe um before i share any of my thoughts i would love for you guys again to just sort of go around the horn maybe um oliveri clan becky jennifer and megan bj um give me your thoughts about visiting tiananmen square and our what seemed like 11 hour walking tour the forbidden city (laughs) the number of people in tiananmen square the locals the people as Daisy said, the people come in from all over the countryside. They wear their best clothes and they come into Tiananmen Square as a sign of relevance. And how she told us when she was 10 years old, she got to stand uh, guard like they do in remembrance of the people who, uh, the uprising that happened at Tiananmen Square. And uh, how she saw the bullet holes in Tiananmen Square. It, it was very touching to me. The the other part too was the number of people who wanted their hair, the pictures taken with women <laughs> with blonde hair. That was that was really <laughs> that was really interesting. Yeah, if you were blonde on your nervous. on this trip, you were very very popular. <laughs> yeah, I was actually sure. a little nervous in Tiananmen Square because of all the video cameras and and okay. stuff like that, and we were told don't look at the guards and, and stuff like that. Um, so I found myself constantly look, kind of looking at it, but just kind of shying away a little bit. Um, and so I, you know, and, and even our guides were saying, well, I might have to cover my mouth at certain points of time and stuff like that because they read lips and, and stuff like that. So it was, it was a little tense there, I thought. Yeah, Tiananmen Square means a lot of different things to different people. And, and I had a whole different mentality about it before I went because all I know about of that location was the uprising and the history that, that we were fed and, and told about. Um, but of course it's Tiananmen square is celebrated for them. So I was a little apprehensive being in that area, uh, especially when we'd seen a lot of, um, of different things and we're kind of warned about, uh, the, the video cameras and listening devices and don't take pictures of the, the guards. It's, it's taken pretty seriously in that, in that scenario. And of course it would be. So as long as we were behaving like uh, good tourists and, um, and taking in the site for, and what it meant to the Chinese people, um, I started to have a, a much deeper appreciation 
for that location more so than just that one thing that happened that, that we know from history. Uh, but then going into the Forbidden City, this is one place where I did do research before we went because I wanted to understand where we were standing because the Forbidden City goes on and on and <laughs> on and on. And every time you go from one gate to another gate to another gate to a different building, uh, basically, the closer you are to the center, and the center was where uh, the emperors lived. So the closer you were to the emperor, the more important you were. So those areas between buildings and between gates were massive because if somebody was going to try to take or, or overthrow the emperor, they would have had to have been seen. And they needed that area to see this uh, these people approach. So... I, I luckily spent a lot of time researching what it meant. So as we went through each gate and each location, you you can read about it, you can see movies about it, you can see documentaries, you can see pictures, but you really can't understand the immensity of that place until you walk it. And I had so much more of an appreciation for, again, for the culture and for how they had to live at that time um, to keep the emperor safe in, you know, way back when in the 1420s and uh, it was constructed in 1406 or something, I believe. Uh, but the complex has something like 980 buildings. So it's not tiny. <laughs> and yeah. and I, I didn't feel bad about eating an extra helping of fruit at the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and to piggyback on that, the, you said that, you know, the area they had that you could see, it was these, there were these vast kind of courtyards in between these buildings and they were, um, you know, it was interesting to see how open and we talked about there are no, tr there are no trees and no anything really. So you could see the whole square, even though each one was huge and there were like outer gates versus inner gates, you know, where, where people, like you said, that were close to the emperor may be. And when you got into the inner gates, all of a sudden there's the beautiful garden and everything just got, it was it's completely different than this public space that was used for, you know, protection and various tactics and things. But, um, cause we talked about how, you know, people on trial would have to walk through all these gates and, but then you get to like the home part of it and it, it just shifted, but yeah. still was massive and so many amazing buildings. And, um, I, I don't remember, I think maybe one of you do the just the scale of it and how it, how quickly people built this and I just remember thinking the logistics must have been crazy and it was pre-Excel and pre-internet and I, I was blown away just at the actual architecture and building of this entire Forbidden City it was amazing how delicate it was with the yeah. detail in places it yeah. was amazing stunning yeah, I, I echo everything that everybody else said, This the grandeur of it, the beauty of it. Um, this day was one of my favorites because it really, it, you know, if the day before was really about the, the people of China, um, the, the Tiananmen Square and the Forbidden City was really about Chinese history and the government and Tiananmen Square with all of these uh, 50s communist style buildings and learning about the government and then the Forbidden City about its its great history and emperors. Uh, it was it was just fabulous. It was great. And, you know, we don't maybe get to see this and appreciate this sort of thing in the States because we don't have 
as rich of a history in terms of thousands of years that they go back to. And that was something that was just so amazing and fascinating to see the scale of this and the massive nature of it and just how old it truly was. So we, we loved this day. Uh, I, I don't want to, um, I want to echo what you guys are saying because I, I was, um, I was in awe of what I saw and anything that we say, anything that you can see on TV or in a movie cannot convey the scale and the scope of this complex. And if you think back, you know, Jen, to to what you were saying, I think we even talked about this, the architecture, the building, the logistics, the, 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 the management of the workforce. Remember this was built starting in like, I think 1406. They built it in, I think she said, um, 14 or 15 years it's yeah. massive I mean hundreds of thousands of people sort of uh, coming together to build this in a time like you said there, there were no modern tools hmm. um, it, it was uh, it was breathtaking to see in person uh, and to walk it and to get an understanding of just how big this is how important it was from a, a an historical perspective um i was awed by the architecture the engineering by the beauty of what we saw but to segue i will tell you that it was only eclipsed by seeing the great wall of china yes yes Yes. as amazed as i was with this and not to take anything away from the you know the, the palace seeing the great wall of china (laughs) <laughs> I was moved. I literally was moved. And at one point yeah. I was sort of just standing on my own and I tried to think back to, you know, when this wall was built, you know, um, so many years ago with in the mountains with no communication system. With How do you sort of get a million people? All right, listen, you guys just start building that way and you guys just start <laughs> building that way and just let me know yeah. when you're done. You can't, you, you cannot uh, imagine, I mean, it, it goes to, I mean, when when did it start to, I think the majority was built during the, the Ming Dynasty, like the 13, 1400s, but part of it was some of the walls that were built, you know, 1300 years before that. Um, getting there is somewhat half the fun. You've got to work to, to, to get to <laughs> the Great Wall. But when you stand on this, and I understand why it is a it is a wonder of the world, and you look in every direction as far as the eye can see, and the wall just continues to go on, and it's high, and it's thick, and it still stands, and how they were able to use nothing, but, and I'm showing you my hands like you can see it, nothing but their... <laughs> bare hands to fortify the stone and the brick and the wood and all these other materials is just um it's it's a remarkable sight to see and and i felt privileged to be able to witness it with my own eyes yeah and we were so lucky to get a clear beautiful day where you could actually see all the way to beijing and to be able to see as far as we could the wall so the area that we're standing in after that was a climb. That was definitely a climb for those of us who aren't in as good a shape as some of you guys. Um, that was a, a little bit of a, a challenge to get up there, but it was worth every second. And then to the stand there and see miles and miles and miles down 
the the hill and up the hill and down the next hill and you could still see that wall just going and going and going how how massive how amazing how thought-provoking um that experience was and i think this is another place where adventures by disney really shined there was a section of the wall that was actually closer to our hotel but we didn't go to that section we went we drove a little bit farther away uh, and went to a less crowded section uh that uh was really fantastic. And it, there were fewer people. We we were able to um, get a little bit further down the down the way, I thought. Um, and I, that was uh, just another reason why it, it paid in dividends uh, for us going along on a tour versus trying to do this on our own. Yeah. Yeah, Lou, you said you were moved by it. I remember getting off of the bus and maybe it was Becky and a couple of other people around were super excited. And of course, I mean, it's a wonder of the world and it was a stop that we had to make, but I think, I don't know if it was just a lack of time to mentally prepare. I was surprised how moving it was just to get there and see it for the first, the first glimpse we saw, I kind of got choked up and I, I couldn't really figure out why. And as we walked on it and we saw how, you know, every section was different because, you know, you started thinking they just, they built it to fit the land. It wasn't like they, you know, used bulldozers and plowed things out. And so every section was a little different. Nothing was uniform really, as far as like the paths and the stairs. And, uh, I think it was just really incredible to see, um, it kind of made the the history and the world seem just really vast, but also kind of smaller. I, I don't know. That's what, I mean, I love that about travel. It seems kind of uh, like a paradox, but I just think it was really, uh, it was just really amazing to just think that, that people built this wall so long ago, like you said, with just their hands and it's, it's truly spectacular. Anybody else thoughts, comments? It's hard to move on. You know, it's hard to move on from yeah. the wall to, to a Disney experience because of, of, you know, building a theme park is one thing in, in 2016, building a wall in, you know, 300 BC, um, that is yeah. high up in the mountains with nothing but your hands. Um, it, it's it. Look, yeah. whatever you see in Mulan is nothing like seeing it in person. <laughs> <laughs> and the other things that Adventures by Disney did as well is is they have that one guardhouse where yeah. they they were trying to get people to not put their name in the actual wall. So the, the government put up um, pieces of uh, of cloth along the walls so that you can actually write your name or write a message or, or make your mark, um, without damaging the wall and ventures by Disney was standing there ready with Sharpies so that we could do that. And if you didn't know about that, you would have missed that opportunity. And it, it was again, uh, one of those ways that you could put your mark on history without damaging anything mm-hmm. and doing it in such a, a way that you felt like you had, um, had, really touched history in your own personal way and it was really i'm sorry go ahead. it was even it was even fun to see the guides reaction on the great wall day because even though they've been there so many times they were excited about the great wall day and they were super excited to be up there and to see our reactions and you know to get and take pictures and it was just um you know if, if they can get excited after seeing it so many times over the past um, number of years that they've done this tour, you know you're at something special. Yeah. yeah. And I, I tried to put it into context. I really tried to grasp the 
the the the the logistical and engineering and architectural and to to you know make it as simple as possible i tried to sort of put it in terms of okay let's just assume somebody lands in america in you know the 1400s and i'm giving it and says all right listen I need you guys to build a wall from Maine to San Diego and kind of half the way back, and it's going to be like 20 feet high and go. And I mean, because that's kind of what it was. I mean, that's kind of what it is. And oh, by the way, it's all in the mountains, too. So, oh, yeah. And oh, by the way, there's no engines or anything to lift these bricks all the way up right. to where they need to be. And, and you have to make the bricks. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And watch out. Look out for the Huns, too. Look out for the Huns, too. So. <laughs> Um, all right, we need to we we look. I could spend an entire show talking about the Great Wall, but we do need to go um, from there. We had a wonderful lunch in this little old schoolhouse, but from there we went to the airport and arrived in Shanghai. Please be sure and tune in next week for part two of our Adventures by Disney recap as we visit Shanghai Disneyland for the first time. There's so much to cover, including our review of this very unique take on the Magic Kingdom, some of its truly remarkable attractions, food, of course, and maybe even a special preview of where we're going next and how you can join us. In the meantime, if you have any questions or comments about the first part of our trip to Hong Kong and Beijing, please go to www.radio.com, click on this week's podcast, leave your comments there, or you can go right to the WW Radio page on Facebook. You'll find a link to this week's episode, and we can continue our conversation about the first part of our trip on this amazing Adventures by Disney. It's time for our Walt Disney World Trivia Question of the Week, where I invite you to test your knowledge of Walt Disney World's history or see how well you pay attention to the details not just always in what you see, but sometimes in what you hear, maybe even what you taste. If you think you know the answer, you can enter via our online form for a chance to win a Disney prize package. Before we get to this week's question, we're going to go back, review last week's, and select our winner. So on the last show, I asked you a question about the Main Street Electrical Parade, still a classic and one of my favorites, specifically about one of the voices, which was heavily modified and very much digitized, that introduced the Main Street Electrical Parade with this opening line. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, the Magic Kingdom proudly presents our spectacular festival pageant of nighttime magic and imagination. In thousands of sparkling lights and electro-synthomagnetic musical sounds, the Main Street Electrical Parade... Now, while you might not recognize the voice simply by hearing it in this context, most likely it's one that you've heard before. It's Jack Wagner, known as the voice of Disneyland, and if you've been on the Matterhorn bobsleds out in Disneyland Park, you've heard his safety spiel with the Remain Seated Please, or if you've been on the Walt Disney World monorail system, his is the famous voice of the Please Stand Clear of the Doors, Por Favor Manténganse Alejado de las Puertas which for many of us is the extent of our knowledge of the Spanish language. Thank you, Jack Wagner. Anyway, I took all of the correct entries, randomly selected one, and again, you were playing last week for the 102 Ways to Save Money for an At Walt Disney World book, all seven of my virtual audio walking tours of the Magic Kingdom, both of which, by the way, are still on sale at the WW Radio store at www.radio.com. I also am going to send you 
some WW Radio six stickers, and a WW Radio pop socket and stand for your phone. And last week's winner, randomly selected, is... John Robash. So, John, congratulations. I have your address. Because you use the online form, I will get your prize package out to you right away. But if you played last week and didn't win, that's okay, because here's your next chance to enter in this week's appropriate Walt Disney World Trivia Challenge. So this week, I want to stay in China, or the Epcot Center version of China, because this beautiful pavilion, which now I appreciate so much more, and the half-sized replica of the Temple of Heaven once served as a backdrop for what music video? I'll give you a hint. It's from a 1998 film. I'll give you another hint. It's a Disney film. I'll give you another hint. The film was animated. And I'll give you another... Well, that's it. That's your last hint. So there you go. What music video did the Temple of Heaven and the China Pavilion in Epcot once serve as a backdrop for? You have until Sunday, October 15th, to go to www.radio.com, click on this week's podcast, Use the online entry form there. Again, you're going to play for the book, the tours, the Magic Band cover, the stickers, the pop socket. And because I just got back from China and this question is about China and I love China, I'm also going to give you a mystery prize from China. So good luck and have fun. That's going to do it for this week's show. Thank you so much for taking the time to tune in this and every week. I'm so excited to be able to share our adventures by Disney with you through the podcast. I also uploaded about a thousand or so photos to an album over at facebook.com slash Radio. I'm also going to be uploading some videos and some 360 VR videos and photos as well because I really want to give you a sense of what it looked like on the ground from our perspective in as much of an interactive 360-degree environment as possible. Again, you'll find all those photos at facebook.com slash Radio. I want to thank everybody that joined us on the trip. I also want to thank some of the new members of the WW Radio Nation family, including Lauren Joswiak, Stephanie Kessler, Christopher Richardson, Cheryl Pickard, Carolyn Williams, Bridget Mary Schultz, Simon Rubens, and Mark Davis. Thank you all so much for your love and your support. I sincerely appreciate you. And if you want to help the show and also get exclusive rewards every month, including scavenger hunts, we have a private Facebook group, personalized magic band covers, logo gear, backpacks, hats, shirts, monthly care packages from Walt Disney World, and exclusive live video group calls, and lots more. You can visit www.radionation.com. And please don't forget that a portion of the proceeds of your contributions do go to our Dream Team project to benefit the Make-A-Wish Foundation of America. And because of you and your contributions, I'm actually going to speak on your behalf in terms of what you do and how you contribute to the Make-A-Wish Foundation of America's national convention um, in just a couple of weeks. So I am excited and honored and privileged and humbled to be able to share your story with them and the incredible work that you do to help so many children with life-threatening illnesses and their families experience some of the Disney magic that we get to so often. Again, to find out more, visit www.radionation.com. Also, don't forget, too, that in addition to hopefully liking and sharing the Facebook page, you can also follow me on social. I am at Lou Mangiello on Twitter, on Pinterest, 
on Instagram, and you can also follow my personal profile on Facebook as well. I would love to hear from you, so if you have a question either about our adventures by Disney, the site, the show, Walt Disney World history or trivia, you can email me, lou at www.radio.com. I'll answer it uh, on the show for you on an upcoming episode. You can also, if you want to be heard on the air, you can also call the voicemail at 407-900-9391 with a question, a comment, or just a hello from the parks. And of course, as much as I love connecting with you online, nothing beats a handshake and a hug. That is why I continue to do Meets of the Month every month, coming up on over 10 years now of doing it. Stay tuned as I'll have information about October's and hopefully November and December's Meets of the Month on an upcoming show. And I'll also post it on the Facebook page as well. Also, I do occasionally do some meetups on the road as I travel to speak quite often. Again, following the Facebook page is the best way to find out how and where we might be able to meet up uh, other places around the country and even sometimes around the world. And speaking of speaking, if I could maybe come to help you by speaking to your business at your conference or to your school, you can visit lumangelo.com. And also, I would love to be able to help you do what you have given to me, which is turn that thing that you love into that thing that you do, either with one-on-one mentoring or small group coaching. I want to help you build your brand and business and get you from where you are to where you want to be. Again, you can find everything over at, at lumangelo.com. Thanks, as always, to Becky Mankin and her team from MouseFanTravel.com, not just for the adventures by Disney, but how, for so many years, they've been able to help me and my family, and hopefully you and your family, visit Walt Disney World, Disneyland, Disney Cruise Line, or obviously Adventures by Disney. You can visit them over at MouseFanTravel.com. Also, check out CelebrationsPress.com, where you can subscribe to Celebrations Magazine. And as always, my friend, and you... You are my friend. Whether we have met yet or not, you continue to show and demonstrate that all the time. It actually, even on this Adventures by Disney, I met up with listeners in Hong Kong, Shanghai, and then when we stopped over in Tokyo. So I want to say hello and thanks again to Adam Papercuts and thank you for the gift that you brought me. Uh, Manesha from the UK, who I met over in Shanghai as well as a couple of other friends that I met in Hong Kong and Tokyo. Um, it is amazing and humbling to see this, these friendships and this community literally uh, reach people around the world. And I am grateful to and for you. I'm also gra- grateful to all of you who have left a rating and review over on iTunes. So all I ask is that if you like the show, please help spread the word. Let others know about it. Tweet out that you're listening. Share a link to this or your other favorite episodes on Facebook. And please take 30 seconds to rate and review the show over on iTunes. I want to thank some recent reviewers like A.P. Bialik, who said, I'm late to the party because I didn't see my first Disney park until I was 33. Walking through Main Street with my two-and-a-half-year-old son and her and his wife for the first time for her, too, was every bit of a Disney commercial. It was awe and wonder and magic. And we can't go that often, but Lou makes us feel like we can fit that got that time in between stays with great content i love the secrets and the history episodes and as an art teacher i can't get enough of the interview with imagineers in listening to the ww radio podcast i've grown to associate the opening music jingle to my happy place it's a great way to sit back relax and drive to work great job lou thank you so much hope to meet you guys and your family in the park one of these days welcome to the hellmouth says 
how did I just find you? I just only discovered the podcast recently. I cannot wait to go back and listen to more of the older episodes. After, even after hosting this for over 10 years, Lou comes off so very genuine, because I am. He also seems to still love doing this, because I do. I'd love a whole show dedicated to Haley Mills. I'll add that to the list. Top 10 Haley movies or maybe other Disney legends. Anyway, the show is awesome. A must-do for any Disney fan. Thank you so much, and I will take your Haley Mills recommendation. Uh, Dylan Gamble says, it's simply amazing. I love listening to these podcasts. Lou does a magnificent job with detail and making you feel like you truly are at Disney. He does an amazing job with information collecting and has a true passion for what he does. Dylan, and welcome to the Hellmouth, and AP Bialik, thank you guys so much. It is exactly what I hope to do is share with you and connect you to the experiences, maybe when you can't get there as often as you'd like. If you want to leave a rating and review, you can visit iTunes and search for WW Radio, or just go to www.radio.com slash iTunes, and I'll give you a link directly there. Again, my sincerest and humblest gratitude and thanks to you for not just your time, which I know is so valuable, but your attention and your love and your friendship and support. Uh, I could not and would not do this without you. And I do this with positivity and passion and enthusiasm because if not, why bother doing anything at all? And I do this because of you and thanks to you and for you. And I am sincerely, sincerely grateful for the privilege of being able to share my passion with you each and every week. If there's ever anything that I can do for you to say thanks, please let me know. I hope that you have your best week ever. So until next time, see ya. Yo, yo. Hello, Lou Mangello. This is Andy Thompson calling from Quinnell, British Columbia, Canada. Uh, your podcast is just astounding, magnificent, magical, and... Well, what else can I say? It's just so whimsical. I mean, it's a great podcast. I love it. Um, thank you. Um, you are the best, and I love your Becky voice. Thank you. That's so funny. And if Becky's listening, sorry, Becky. And I love Lilo and Stitch. And maybe you can do a podcast about what the best Stitch stuff there is or the ride. And I will do my Stitch voice. So, thus of my family. I found that. Oh, on my own. It's little and broken, but still good. Yeah, still good. So that's my Stitch voice. I hope to uh, listen to your podcast very soon, and I would love to meet you, give a handshake and a hug, and I really hope everything is going okay for you down there because of the hurricanes. I really hope you're safe, and I hope you have a magical day. I will talk to you some other time. Um, See ya. Bye. Hey, Lou, this is Beth from New York City and um, was calling in response to the favorite parade, favorite parade memories. Um, hands down, Main Street Electrical Parade. It was the first Disney parade that I saw, um, and it's always had a special place in my heart. And the, I guess the best moment was probably um, on Goofy Weekend of 2015. My friend um, Erica and I had been hanging out for a while uh, doing different parks and I don't know if I'd gotten an old times map or if it was just sort of a last minute addition but it had not been on my times map for the day and I was really sad because I really wanted to see it again um, and 
so we were in the Emporium, and she was, Erica was on the phone talking to somebody, and I heard the beginnings of Baroque Hoedown, and I screamed and went running outside, and I kind of heard Erica in the background going, um, Beth just screamed and ran outside, something's going on, and so, you know, and I think because there weren't a whole lot of people out there, so I'm thinking that it really was sort of an addition that not a lot of people knew about, um, because we had amazing, like, standing spots on the curb, and, but, yeah, that was uh, the last time that I got to see it, so, um, but, yeah, it's definitely always going to be my favorite Disney parade, so um, thanks for the show, always love listening to it. Uh, makes my commute to work a lot nicer. Um, so, anyway, take care. Bye. Hello, Lou Mangello. It's Gabby Laxamana from Columbia, Maryland. Um, first off, I want to wish you safe travels on the remainder of your journey to Shanghai. I'm so excited to hear everything and everything, everything about Shanghai. Um, and I just wanted to chat with you for a second. Um, today is Friday. Earlier this week, my fiancé and I um, just came back from a two-week European adventure. Um, we started in Paris, and we were able to go to Disneyland Paris, which was so cool. It was my first um, overseas Disney park. Um, and, boy, do they like their thrill rides. Some rides that are very similar in Florida and California, were very different in um, Disneyland Paris, and we were not expecting that, but it was so much fun. We loved the Ratatouille ride, Toy Story Land, um, and it was just so cool just seeing a park in a whole other country. Um, and then after Paris, we embarked on a week-long Mediterranean Disney cruise aboard the Disney Magic. It was both of our first times on a Disney cruise, and I can tell you for certain, we are never cruising with any cruise line ever again. The quality of the food, the shows, the service, it's, um, it's unmatched, truly. Um, and it was it was just magical. Um, and I just can't wait to go on another one. We actually, while we were there, we went ahead and booked another cruise for next year in the Bahamas. So that'll be our first time in Castaway Key, um, September of next year. Um, but, yeah, that's about it. I was just so excited to tell you about it. And just, again, safe travels to you and Becky as you make your way across the world. And I can't wait to hear everything when you guys get back. All righty. Have a fun trip, and I will talk to you soon. Thank you again for everything you do, Lou. Bye. Hey, Lou Mangello. It's Ben on the run. Just thought I'd uh, drop you a note seeing as you were over in Asia. I actually just got back myself from Shanghai Disney a couple of weeks ago, and now I just checked into the Swan for a conference over this next week. Uh, but enjoyed the uh, the photographs of Shanghai and hope you also enjoyed uh, Tokyo Disney as well. And uh, looking forward to listen, catching up on your podcast. Thanks. Hello, Lou Manzello and the WDW Radio Group, the WDW Radio Fox people, and family, WDW Radio Cruisers. Lou Manzello is on his way home from overseas with Becky Nankin. And this is Darlene Nagy from West Seneca, New York. 
I had a wonderful time in Disneyland, and now I'm counting down to my birthday trip in May of 2018. I have 232 days until my trip to Walt Disney World. And as soon as Lou posts another event, I know momentum's coming up for those who have signed up for that. So you guys got a lot going on. Thank you so much, Lou and Becky, for taking us on your adventures, and Lori Oliveri for posting so many pictures, and everyone else on the trip. I had a blast watching Sammy posting also. It was an amazing adventure on this side of the States, watching the overseas adventure in Shanghai. It was amazing. I hope Becky got to eat some good food and taste some new stuff and not just eat rice. Talk to you real soon. Have a magical day. You've got a friend.